Hey guys, Cable here, and this week's podcast is brought to you by Scoped Vision. Y'all probably know of PhoneScope by now, right? It's that technology that allows you to hook up an adapter to your cell phone and then place that on your spotting scope or binos, and you can record what you're seeing through your optic. Well, Scoped Vision is the evolution of that technology, and now you can actually record your hunt through your rifle scope. They've got an adapter, it attaches to your scope, and you record right there with your cell phone. It's awesome. It's scoped vision. You can find it at phonescope.com. They all ask me how I'm doing. I just smile and realize that although it was kind to me, my youth is all behind me. Now I'm on the losing side. The losing side of 25. Good morning, good morning, Cable Smith. Welcome everybody to the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. That's American Aquarium. Inside 25, kicking things off for us here today. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Palpolaris as well, our longtime presenting sponsors. Man, it is a great time to be alive in the great outdoors. It always is. We've kind of hit uh, a little bit of a transition period for. A lot of folks turkey season has come and gone it was surely a forgettable one for me <laughs> 11 days in the field 2200 miles six different properties not a shot fired it was literally like i went around texas chasing these damn things at the exact wrong moment to be at each particular place i mean the gobbles were sparse although trail cameras said you know in each one of the places the birds were many so, oh, what are you going to do? That's hunting. Tag soup, it was for me. Hope you all had a much better turkey season than I did. Now, I did kill a uh, a nice-sized feral hog with that new Kent uh, tungsten. It's the, what is it called, TK7 Penetrator. And let me tell you, that tungsten stuff is the real deal. No doubt about that. Uh, we've got a great show lined up for you today so you know what to do by now pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat up old thermos maybe you spike it with granddaddy's cough syrup maybe you don't whatever your pleasure uh, but pour yourself another cup because we are ready to rock and roll and off the top we're going to discuss something that i truly just don't understand it's not like i dislike it i just don't get it and that my friends, is shed hunting. For my money, I'd rather be chasing feral hogs or turkeys or fishing or just about anything else. <laughs> I don't get it. But maybe if I own my own place, I don't know. You know, there's a bunch of other circumstances. If I lived out west, maybe I would. Maybe I'd be eating up with it like my friend Sam Haley, who, um, you know, I've enjoyed following his social media stuff for years now, and he is obsessed with it. Absolutely eaten up with shed hunting. Like, goes literally all day into the mountains looking for what essentially is an animal's trash, right? I mean, they don't need it, and it's uh, it's no longer useful to them. So they discard it, throw it on the ground. Literally, it's worthless to them. But it's a treasure for some folks. So Sam will join us all the way from Oregon, where he spends many a day trampling through the backcountry looking for antlers and so uh, i'm certainly looking forward to have, you know having the discussion what is it about shed hunting that appeals to him uh, maybe he can 
talk me into wanting to go shed hunting. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll also talk Oregon elk hunting and opportunity for non-residents to come to Oregon and uh, elk hunt. So exciting stuff on that front as I'm always looking for other options on uh, where I could go and enjoy an, an archery elk hunt come September. Uh, so cool stuff coming up with Sam. Then we will spend a couple segments with my good friends Brett Jepson and Charles Spiegel, owners of Three Curl Outfitters, my longtime friends. Hell, I've been friends with them long before I was doing this for a living or they had an outfitting service. And so uh, they've got an, uh, kind of reinventing the wheel for Texas Duck Clubs. Uh, it's not a new concept by any means, but the way that they're doing it, and especially in Texas, there's you know nothing else like it out there. So we'll talk duck hunting, duck clubs, and then also get into some spring turkey discussion. I think each of us will tell our most memorable turkey hunting experience. So it should be fun, to say the least, as uh, you know, maybe they'll shed some light on why. Th- I know they had a rough season too, so we'll get into you know, what happened this spring. So uh, I know many of y'all had a great turkey season. Didn't happen for me, and I don't think it happened for Brett and Charles. I know this because I actually hunted with Brett. So <laughs> we'll get into that uh, nature hike that we took for a couple days up around Possum Kingdom Lake. Uh, so fun stuff on today's broadcast. A couple other things here. Don't forget Guns and Guitars 5, June 27th through the 30th at Coons Canyon Ranch. If you are interested, we've still got two spots. Send me an email to LoneStarOutdoorShow at gmail.com. Mark David Manders, Max, and Heather Stalling will be there providing nightly concerts. And the attendees will have a chance to hunt Axis Deer or Black Buck if they so choose. Otherwise, you can just hang out and drink beer uh, with Max and Mark, who truly are the life of the party. Now, So it's going to be a great weekend. We wouldn't keep doing it if it wasn't. Uh, both myself and Glenn Underwood, the owner of Coons Canyon Ranch, is literally, it's like the best weekend of the year. Love to have you. Um, let's do this. Let's do a quick giveaway. I've got a... A big can, big. It's the, it's the size of a can of Copenhagen, but it's the uh, Pyro Putty, from Pyro Putty, and this is through. Uh, oh, it's basically an offshoot of Phonescope. It's one of their sister companies, but Pyro Putty. And since we're talking about the backcountry today, this is something that you need to have in your backcountry kit, because whether it's raining, snowing, it, or if every log is wet, it doesn't matter. Pyro Putty is gonna light, and you're gonna get that fire started. You know, it's not only gonna warm up that morale, but it could save your life. We will give away a can of pyro putty to let's make everyone eligible. Just email the word pyro because literally who doesn't still like to burn stuff, right? We're all kind of pyros at heart. I know I certainly am. And I'm 37. I don't think I'll ever grow out of it, but just email pyro to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com and we will get you entered into this week's giveaway. We will be right back with Addicted to Antlers, Sam Haley. We're talking all things shed hunting right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. It's half empty, half full, depending on truth, sunlight, that's distorting the lines. Everyone says you can't go back.
Hey y'all, spring is here, and that means a lot of things, but specifically, your lawn is about to become your own worst nightmare. That's why I use JC's Landscaping. They do everything from lawn and landscape maintenance to fertilization and weed control. New premium sod installations. Hey, you need a French drain? I had to have them put in a French drain a couple years ago. They do that too. Landscaping updates, makeovers, stone borders, patios, and much more. Serving the North Dallas and surrounding areas, you can find them at jclandscapingllc.com and tell them Cable sent you. One of my favorites there from the Steel Drivers, Where Rainbows Never Die. Great tune bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Cable Smith riding shotgun with you today. Thank you for being here. I certainly appreciate it. Thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris as well. As we are all set to head into the backcountry with Sam Haley of Addicted to Antlers. But before Sam tries to uh, walk me back off of the shed hunting cliff, (laughs) this segment of the presentation proudly brought to you by Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. Check out the Lone Star 24-7 this summer. Only 60, I think 67 calories, 2.4% alcohol. So a very... Light beer won't fill you up. Perfect for the, uh, you know, if you're firing up the smoker midday, you want to have a cold beer, and you don't want it to put you on your behind, check it out. Lone Star 24-7, Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. With that being said, let's bring on our first guest today. He hails from somewhere in the Pacific Northwest, specifically Oregon, but I honestly don't know jack squat about Oregon other than that is where the cesspool and Tifa-loving leftist city of Portland (laughs) exists. Other than Portland, however, I hear Oregon is a beautiful state. I'd love to go hunting there someday, to be honest with you. Uh, And so with that being said, it is my pleasure to welcome Addicted to Antlers, Sam Haley, to the show. Great to meet you. Likewise. um, So I want to talk shed hunting today because this is something that to be honest with you as a texan someone who leases their own you know leases their property um doesn't have access to vast public land spaces and uh, like i said don't don't own my own property i just don't get shed hunting i I like the antlers when they're attached to the animal's head and when i'm looking through it you know through the crosshairs (laughs) so right like i mean i literally will walk by and if if it's like something that's huge that's like oh my god i'd like to find the other one. I might pick it up. Generally speaking, right. I just got to kick it out of the way and, and keep going about my day, you know, uh, when I come across one. <laughs> that might be, I, could, I could never do that. Yeah, that's probably that's... blasphemous <laughs> for, for you. So sell me on this thing, man. It's obviously, um, there's lots of social media accounts and, and there's lots right. of buyers out there that I don't know what you do with your stuff. We'll get into that. But it's a huge right. thing, especially out west. And it's big for people who I think own their own property and who can watch the deer, especially in Texas. If it's high fenced, okay, I get that too. You want to see what your bucks are doing every year. You'd like to have the sheds, but for the average guy like me, uh, I just I don't understand it. So, what is the allure of shed hunting for you? 
Um, it's it's a lot like uh, hunting without the kill, I guess. Uh-huh. You can you in our public lands up here, you can hike for 15 miles and never see a person, never see a private property, up and over hills, flats, everything. And when you we have a winter range, so all the deer kind of migrate into a central location. So as you're walking along, you might find a 190 inch you know set of antlers laying on the ground, and that is just you get that excitement and feeling from killing an animal all year round because you can do it whenever you want. There's no tags for it in Oregon. There's no license. There's no season. You can just go out on a weekend, start hiking around, and find some antler. But there's no meat either. There's no meat, right? <laughs> like, no one. Another drawback is where's the where's the meat here? Where's the pay? Right. Yeah. Uh, so you it, you live in Oregon, correct? And is most of your stuff the the antlers that you're picking up? I know you guys have elk. I imagine it's probably Roosevelt or or Tule. It's probably Roosevelt, isn't it? We yeah, we have both. We have the state is kind of divided in half by the Cascade Mountains and everything. Cascade Mountains in West is a Roosevelt or uh-huh. a black-tailed deer, and then everything east side of the Cascades is a um, Rocky Mountain elk or a mule deer. And we have a very small uh, population of whitetail in the northeast part of the state. Oh, okay, interesting. So, so it's kind of split, and yeah, a little bit of all of it. The the western side is more of like a rainforest, really steep timber, uh, kind of hard to, to shed hunt in. You got to find the trails or or kind of track them year round. The uh, the west side is you know open sage, which most people are used to for the for the western type of uh, elk hunting, and it's just more open. It's easier to shed hunt, so we do we do most of it, like ninety nine percent of it, over in the western or eastern part of the the state. Okay. Now a lot of folks use dogs. Um, labs obviously are, are trained for this quite frequently. Mm-hmm. Do you have a shed dog? No, uh, maybe one day, but we have, we have some friends that, uh, that have two, one's a lab. I'm not sure what the other one is, but, but they like to, uh, kind of locate them. They don't really bring them back. They just, they love having them and chewing on them, but they're not really shed dogs. Uh-huh. And we have, we have two dogs, but they, they could really care less about sheds. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Your dog and, just, and me would get along great. Uh, so so Sam, you've got uh, like twenty something thousand followers on your Instagram page, and so mm-hmm. I was like, who could I talk to about this? I want to talk to just your average guy who is so passionate about shed hunting that maybe they could, you know, uh, bring me back over from the dark side. Um, <laughs> so, what what makes a great like? Do you sell these things, and and if so, are there different grades to a shed? Uh, we we don't sell any because we don't. Most people who sell them are finding all the fresh brown ones and and they're you know hoarding a big pile and then selling them at once for a couple thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. The ones that we get, you know, it's probably thirty percent fresh ones and the rest are like last year's or older. So they they do have a grade on them. You know, for the fresh brown ones, highest grade is I, I'm not sure exactly what the price is right now, but right around twelve dollars for for an elk antler if I remember right per pound. Uh-huh. And then it goes down to like last year's shed will be like $10 a pound and so forth going down based on like years of cracking, chalkiness to it. Squirrels chewing on them. That type of thing. Correct. Yep. The, the quality of the antler. And, cool. you know, some people will buy the, the real big sets and they actually mount them. 
you know, mm-hmm. for like a Cabela's or a Bass Pro Shops, that type of thing. They'll they'll mount a lot of sheds for that stuff. Oh, huh, okay. Wow. Okay, so they're sold by the pound, but you, you don't specifically right. sell. Your, so what, what's yeah. in it for you then? I mean, obviously you like to chase, but do you just have like a garage full of sheds? <laughs> yeah, we have a big, a big like three-foot-high pile just just sitting there to – to hoard through and stare at and remember <laughs> you're a hoarder all right all yeah. right um it's just it's just memories you know like i i know it's it's it doesn't portray the feeling of a hunt you know you you know the feeling well but it gives you that little slice of the pie when you're when you're in the off season you know because our season only runs from end of august to end of september for archery you know so what you need you need some feral hogs, is what you guys need to keep you uh, right. to keep you in the hunt in the game. You know, still drawing blood throughout the year. Um, of course, I'm just giving you a hard time, but um, okay. so do you actually find animals the same? You know, same animal sheds from year to year. Is that something that happens a lot on public land? Seems like the, you know these things have such a wide range that uh, maybe maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. It, it it can we've we found one of our biggest elk shed sets and then during the same hike i found a previous year to the same elk mm. but we've never seen him in person mm. so i don't know if that was a winter range he went to the same hillside two years in a row um or you know he was killed and then this year we found one antler that we haven't compared it to last year's because my my buddy has the antler from last year but we think it's the same animal mm. so yeah, but you're right. The the range is just it's so big, and it depends on the snow level, you know, because that'll push them around a lot different. Uh huh. So it's it's you can yeah, especially if you have a private property where you can you can keep them safe. But yeah, for public lands, we we don't see a lot of the same antler. At least we don't recognize them. You know, they, yeah. they gotta be pretty pretty characteristic with some kickers or something special about them to to identify them separate from the others. Right on. Well, hey, Sam, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. I do want to know, you know, about the biggest matching shed you've ever found, whether that be a mule deer or an elk, uh, something that you just alluded to as being quite rare when it comes to shed hunting on public land anyway. Um, Are you cool to stick around for a few more minutes? Absolutely. Good deal. And that segment was brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit. You know, land is the one thing they're not making any more of, my friends, but we all want it. And Lone Star Ag Credit has been making that dream a reality for their customers for over 100 years. They'll do the same for you. For more information, check them out at LoneStarAgCredit.com. And we'll be right back with more shed hunting discussion with our buddy Sam Haley. Plus, uh, might beat him up a little bit, see if he'll give up the goods on Oregon's non-resident big game hunting opportunity. All that coming at you right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. It's cheaper view and gin and smoke Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Don't ask me too many 
There's an oldie but a goodie. Take me somewhere tonight. Mike McClure bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Cable Smith here with you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I do appreciate each and every one of you. Hope you all are having a great weekend. Uh, make it a point to get into the great outdoors. Uh, some of you folks up north still are enjoying turkey seasons. For us down here in the south, that has come and gone, unfortunately. Uh, but the catfish spawn is on the horizon. Also, a spring bear for a lot of folks. I'm not partaking this spring, uh, but plans to go to Idaho for the 2020 season. So excited about that. Man, it's, it's never too early to start the planning, right? Anyway, hope you all have big plans to get into the outdoors. Um, we're still visiting with Sam Haley of uh, Addicted to Antlers, his Instagram page. Talking a little shed hunting here. And we're going to get back into that discussion, something that Sam's trying to help me understand the the beauty of. Uh, because personally, I just I don't get it. Uh, but so many people do enjoy it. Uh, so we're going to get back into that. But first, this segment, proudly brought to you by First Light and the Corrigate Guide Short. Uh, if I was shed hunting or if I was enjoying a day out on the boat, uh, you'd find me in the Corrigate Guide Short. From the backcountry to the bar... The Corrigate Guide Short offers you the performance and comfort and a little style, too, uh, that you would expect from First Light. First Light, go farther, stay longer. Jumping back into it here with Sam Haley uh, joining us from Oregon, somewhere in the backcountry, I'm sure. Sam, I I'm sure that it's like the ultimate trophy to find a matching set of sheds. Hell, I found them myself, you know, walking around Buddy's ranches, so on and so forth, and I always give them to them. Um is that the ultimate trophy for you? And, and and talk about the biggest set of sheds or the most prized set of sheds that you've ever found. Um, the biggest mule deer set I actually just found two weeks ago. And I, I with scoring. I mean, you're pretty sheds, good at scoring yeah. by now because that, that has to be a part. Like, <laughs> that, that I could get into because I do like scoring deer. And I could see how that part of it would be really cool is seeing how big that son of a gun you just picked up is. For sure, it's it's fun to hold one in your hand and guess, okay. and then go home and throw a tape on it and try to see how close you were. And yeah. I had a I had a friend online. I just showed a picture to him of the set I found a couple weeks ago, and he guessed it to the exact inch of what it was just by <laughs> looking at it. So it that that one taped out with with sheds. You have to give a spread of what the main beam is because no one knows exactly how how wide it was. Right. So I, with a 25 inch spread, he scored out at 193. Oh my for just God. a four-point mainframe. Goodness <laughs> gracious! Is that does Oregon have a lot of like huge trophy mule deer like that? We're not supposed to talk about that. <laughs> We're <laughs> get going. all the dirty little secrets out here on the air. Um, yeah, Oregon has a bunch of big ones. We've we've come across a ton of non-typicals, a bunch of bunch of big ones. Um, I had an opportunity at an eight by five a couple years ago that was that was pushing around two hundred, and, and that's that's all public. We don't do any private, mm -hmm. nothing. So I, when you say opportunity, there's more to that story. Let's hear it. <laughs> uh, I, we were, it was my buddy's first year archery hunting and we, he was going to shoot the first buck he had an opportunity at. Mm -hmm. So we were out in the desert. We had snuck up to about 30 yards from this buck and he was bedded, didn't know we were there. And we decided to do like a cursory scan of the hillsides to make sure there was nothing that was going to blow us out of the area once we stood up. And we ended up scanning up this other buck who was probably 350-ish yards away on another hillside. So the 
game plan changed and we spent a couple hours hiking around got in behind him about 40 yards and the we were in the middle of the august heat so it was was a little bit over 100 degrees Mm. and in those three or four hours the shade on the trees had moved so he had gotten up from the opposite side of the tree where we knew he was and came to the closest side so when i stood up to draw back he saw me and instead of like standing up like normal mule deer do to look at you he bolted straight out of his bed and up and around up and over a hill and we ended up filming him for five more days on private property waiting for him to come back and never never came back over to the uh, public side oh man so yeah i got some uh pictures i'll send you later of it but it's good it big velvet mule deer eight by five crowned up on one side yeah, that's the thing about mule deer, and, and I don't have a ton of experience hunting muleys. I've, I've well, successful experience. Uh, I think I've killed right. two, one on public land, one on private land. Neither of them, you know, very big to be honest with you. But the public land one is one of the most proud uh, trophies, right. you know, in in my entire collection. And he's just right. a dinky three by three. Um, yeah. But shot him at eleven thousand feet with a muzzle loader. On the way off the mountain, the hunt was over, you know, and I said, there's this one meadow that, and we had terrible weather, it was snowing, and this was in New Mexico, and this was the last weekend of September, so the snow that we got was not totally out of the realm of possibility, but nothing like I'd ever seen up there that early, and so it didn't see anything up high, and this meadow, like I said, I kind of saved it on the GPS and said, I'm going to check this on the way down, sure enough, there was two bucks in there, and uh yeah it smoked him with the crawled within 40 yards and shot him with the 250 grain bullet from the old cva so that, that one's the one that i'm proud of even though you look at his antlers it's like some people be like why did you even shoot that deer so right but a trophy you know, in the eye of the beholder just like these sheds are for you so right right so. you know growing up here on in oregon on the west side of the state almost every hunter grows up with blacktail mm-hmm. and blacktail don't get very big generally on public land and so the first 10 is it genetics or because they get shot before they reach maturity um they're just probably shot before maturity they're Uh i mean i know a big black tail is not real is big relative to like a white a white tail or mule what is a big uh black tail 110 120 yeah probably around there that's anything bigger than that you're you're looking into like real good trophy Uh trophy status the uh Everyone over here, the majority of the population of Oregon is on the west side of the state. Mm-hmm. So the the hunters they don't they just don't travel far to go all the way west. And then to be able to or I mean east, sorry. And then to be able to go east, you have to if you're doing any kind of rifle, it's got to be a lottery draw. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the guys don't don't bother with the lottery draws. They just go with the general season, which is all the west side blacktails. Okay. So it just it, it gets more pressure, I'd say, on public land. Mm-hmm. Than, than over on the east side. So obviously we're learning a little bit about opportunity to hunt in Oregon. It's a state that I've always, I've never visited, but you know, I've heard it's beautiful. Um, what about if a, a dude from Texas wanted to come elk hunt in Oregon? What, what would that process look like? On public um, land, couple, I mean, that would be the appeal for me. Correct. C- couple options. If you're archery hunting, um, you can do a general tag that's, pretty much the entire state they have certain units inside the state that are um draw only lottery so you have to apply for them like and trophy unit and for everybody to correct 
there's a there's a chance for everyone to draw it you know for majority of people it's under one percent um and then like 75 to 80 percent of the other units are open for general so you just you just buy your out-of-state tag and license and you can go if you want to do rifle i believe it's seven or ten days right in november Mm -hmm. um and anything west side of the cascades is general season anything east side with rifle is draw tag only for every unit okay so and that's only one weekend or one week sorry Mm -hmm. the um but best bet is archery because you get to do it during september during the rut and you can hunt the majority of the state that's i mean that's appealing i don't obviously don't know anything about you know it would take a lot of time on google maps and on x and all that other stuff to to outline a hunt like that but so there is opportunity for an out-of-stater to come to Oregon and, and get a tag. Uh, and that's, yeah. is that either sex tag or bull only or? Um, for. I mean, I'll be, I'm not going to come to Oregon for a cow tag, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but west side of the state, I believe is you can shoot a cow or bull. Uh-huh. The east side is bull only. Okay. Good deal. Good deal. Um, yeah. Let me, let me ask you about this. And like I said, I don't know a lot about Oregon. Um, other than I've heard it's beautiful. I do know that, you know, kind of leftism has infiltrated your state. And I don't know if that's something you worry about as an outdoorsman. I want you to comment on that. And then also, and maybe it's because of the close proximity to California, uh, comment on that. And then I want to talk about wolves because I want to know what's, you know, what's going on with wolves in Oregon as well. So we stay out of Portland Uh as much as we can. Portland is probably the the leftist part of the entire state it's our i don't want to get too deep into it but it's our your biggest city is, though population wise <laughs> yeah it is for so sure we, that's and, where we run into these problems sam is where these right. big metropolitan areas have so many people they right. are a lot of times way more leftist or liberal than probably you or i and then the thing is, is that right. they vote and make decisions for everyone else right you know that that's that's how our, our governor race was. It was, you know, I don't know the numbers, but it was astronomically leaning left for Portland mm-hmm. and Portland having, you know, a couple million in the populace. It just, it, it, no one else mattered. You know, it was, it was, it sucked. It was a painful, painful <laughs> uh, voting this year. Yeah. Yeah. It, we need to get a don't don't California my Oregon T-shirt like my uh, right. don't California my Texas shirt. <laughs> right, I didn't know that. I'll check into that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd wear that every day. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, um, so that, that's kind of the mindset there, huh? The, the, right. You know, the hunters are outnumbered, and it, we're very outnumbered. It 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 won't be long before before stuff starts hitting the ballot. I'm sure, and. Yeah. There, I know the fishing game right now. We we have a local bow shop down here, um, the bow rack, and the owner of it, Wayne Endicott, is trying to work with Oregon Fishing Game on changing a bunch of the regulations to to help us out. And I'm hoping that catches more more positive traction and people see that the outcomes of what hunting does, you know. And and it, he just started on it, so I can't comment too much about it because yeah, I yeah. haven't seen a whole lot. But, but well, in what, Texas, we have like a, a right to hunt and fish uh, yeah. deal built into the Constitution. It might have been done by Ted Cruz a couple of years ago. Um, but 
And I don't even know, like, if that thing could be changed or whatever, but it kind of gives you some level of protection um, right. from these future encroachments on our way of life. Um, right. What about wolves? Uh, you guys are obviously up there in the Pacific Northwest, and we've seen wolves uh, migrate or actually expand their range from the original three states, Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, now Washington, right. Oregon, Northern California, even some in Nevada. It won't be long for Colorado. What, what is what is y'all's situation with wolves right now, and are they something that you come across on a regular basis on uh, on your adventures, both hunting and shed hunting? Um, I know Oregon fishing game kind of keeps a tight lip about wolves because uh-huh. people people freak out on both sides about them. You know, hunters don't want them. The the liberals and that side they do, they don't want you to touch them. They love it's just, them. It's kind of, <laughs> I know, it's kind of a... Did you know every yeah. every liberal's spirit animal is a wolf, apparently? <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, apparently, according to Fishing Game, they have 137, I believe, uh, collared wolves uh-huh. in Oregon. And the, the majority of them are northeastern side, kind of by the Idaho northern border. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. And... The range on them is pretty much there. They they haven't expanded too much, but I have a couple friends who have seen them in central Oregon and down kind of in the central lower part where we shed hunt. Uh-huh. And I saw a map from Fishing Game that showed, I don't know where the person got it, but it showed two wolves that were collared that were like within a quarter mile of where we shed hunt. They yeah. had like their the Oregon map with like the beacon of where they traveled and so the Oregon wolves, they're, they're here. We, I've never seen one, but yeah. I, we don't do a whole lot in the northeastern end of the state. Yeah. So, and that, that the northeastern end is more like mountainous and it's not, not a whole lot of timber, but a lot of steep mountains and like sage hillsides, that type of thing. And where we shed hunt and hunt, it's more flat desert. Okay. Okay. So, so I'm not sure if the terrain plays a big part on where where they habitat and whatnot. But. Oh, I'm sure it does. I'm sure. And if they've got 137 yeah. collared, you can say that there's probably at least four or five times that many. Uh, oh, sure. In the state, yeah, that's the hardest part for these wildlife agencies is um, keeping tabs on them. And I think they can right. collar every wolf is just uh, far from far from reality. And like you just right. said, they live in the most rugged terrain that your state has to offer. The steepest mm-hmm. mountains, the you know highest cliffs, and it's unforgiving. Mm-hmm. So how do you actually get good, get a get a good handle on how many there are? Well, you, you just have to guess. Um, mm-hmm. So and, and that's that's part of the other problem is Oregon. We have no wolf hunting. Yeah. And you, you know Idaho does. You can get you can get tags for Idaho, but Oregon does not. Mm-hmm. And there's as far as I know, there's zero discussions on allowing people to hunt them even if it's you know one two something to initiate a program they they don't have anything in place for it well i mean with the, the political atmosphere environment of your state that's not uh, surprising to be honest with you it would take <laughs> it, w- it would take you know a federal some kind right. of federal uh, delisting which you know we've seen in the other states uh, i know washington mm-hmm. oregon california uh, have not followed suit and i don't i don't know if legally they're allowed to yet but um, I don't see them pushing that kind of anti-wolf agenda. Anyway, and to, for the record, right. Sam, I'm not anti-wolf. I, they're they're cool. You know, they're they're oh, probably they're the, awesome. the most badass predator we have in North America, just from their 
right. pack hierarchy and the amount of ground that they can cover. Uh, hell, some of these things are built for chasing caribou hundreds of miles. You know, they right. never seem to run out of steam. They're just the most right. efficient killers that we have. Um, and, and and for that, I respect them. But at the same time, they they need to be managed uh, just like we manage for uh, deer and elk and everything else. So, Do you guys allow uh, dog hunting? Dogs chase bears, cougars, that type of thing. Um, well, so we don't re- we don't really have um, black bears illegal in Texas. There's some out in West Texas, and and some show up occasionally from Louisiana. Uh, but so you can't you cannot take a black bear ever in Texas. They're protected. Oh wow. Uh, mountain lions have no protection whatsoever. They're treated as a varmint, and so in West Texas, uh, you can and guys do run dogs for them. And uh, and to be honest with you, when you see one killed in Texas, it's either with dogs or one shows up at a deer feeder. You know, um, oh, in sure. South Texas, you know, it's like it probably has many times stalking a deer there, and a hunter sitting in a blind and whacks it. Uh, so, right. um, pretty common. Uh, not. I mean, that maybe happens uh, ten times that I hear about every year. Maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah, but the the guys out in West Texas that run run hounds for them or, you know, they do have a, uh, some success and it's all dry ground. We don't, you know, there's no, there's no snow out there really sure. to speak of. Um, so yeah, no, uh, no protections on the, on the cougars though. And, um, what about you guys oh. allow bear hunting with, uh, hounds? We, uh, we did up until like early nineties, I believe. And then they, they changed the law. You cannot use dogs for cougar or bear. But I, I believe you can still use them for bobcat. Uh-huh. Um, and then now. Well, you're never going to catch it. I mean, you're never going to get a cougar then. So that that deal's done. No. <laughs> yep. It's it's very rare you see someone that, like you said, someone might be sitting in a blind and have yeah. one come out, you know, to a water hole. But besides that, there's I've seen two ever. Huh. And as much time as we spend in the woods, you think we'd see more, but we two. And. Yeah. The dogs, you know, my, my dad used to run them when I was a child, and, and they used to get them all the time. Bears, cougars, you know, they helped, helped control the population. And oh, yeah. There's none. Yeah. We'll, and, we'll put a trail camera out, and we'll check it. Cougar, all the time. Huh. And, you, and like, in areas we hike, you know, hundreds of miles a year, and we never see it. We'll put a trail camera out, and we'll get we'll get multiple. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, that's not that's not really surprising to be honest with you, uh, especially yeah. since you guys can't use hounds for the legal take of a, of a mountain lion. So, man, that's what happens. I I'm, I fear for my friends up in your part of the world. That's for sure. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> I hear you. But uh, if there's well, anything we can ever do to help fight the good fight, you know, uh, you got a friend down here in Texas. So, I appreciate that. Well, well man, uh, head up this way and do some shot hunting then. Well, maybe when the antlers are still on their head. How about that? <laughs> yeah, you plan up a uh, September elk hunt out here, and we'll do a little bit of both. Okay, I can get down with that. And then, you know, when we leave, I'll probably just uh, leave the sheds with you. But uh, yeah. <laughs> you value those things, and, and and I'm not still 100% sold on it, but I, I just wanted right. to see where, where you're coming from. And, and uh, it, I, it is fascinating to me. Like I said, I respect it. Um, and if I had the access to the public land like you do, my mind might, you know, sway a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, that makes a difference, you know, having to struggle to find some place where you can hike and, and, you know, some guys will hike a mile and find 10 if they're, you know, they hit that sweet spot and we might hike 15 miles and find one. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's better days than others, but being able to just 
look at the the onyx on the Garmin, see that there's no roads for miles, and just walk a direction is is pretty fun, you know. And and, and well, depends on the hills, I guess. Yeah. Oh yeah. But, but um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you one one last example before we uh, yeah. before we get off here. So I did a mountain lion hunt in Colorado. I've talked about it on the show in detail over the years, but um took me three trips, 18 days. I think it was on like day two when we were doing, we were dry ground hunting, northwest Colorado. Uh Wayne, the outfitter, we come across, I did. I was like, hey, look at that elk shed. It was a six by six. Nice elk. Probably, you know, 320 inch bull, I would guess. Yeah. And I just kind of was like, hey, that's cool. You know, and then I just kept walking. He's like, <laughs> you're not going to pick that up? And I was like, you mean and strap it to my pack and have to carry it out of here? Hell no, I'm not picking it up. <laughs> well, he picked it up, and I'll be damned if it wasn't like, uh, a, I don't know, a couple hundred yards later, he found the other one for a set. So it was oh, pretty that's cool. Awesome. Uh, and they were that's brown, awesome. so I yeah. guess they were, you know, they were obviously that 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 uh, winters, right? Because we were yeah. in April, so yeah, they must have just fallen off recently. But he I was tickled, and I was just like, up. oh. More power to you, Wayne. <laughs> um, yeah, it's well, just, just that little bit of trophy, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he thought meat, it was I mean, the best thing ever. So, um, Well, hey, Sam, if you want to give us your Instagram, and I don't know if you have a Facebook, but uh, you're always in the uh, backcountry, and, and I think people might want to check it out. Yep, we're always we're always doing something. It's both Facebook and Instagram are addicted to antlers, the, the number two. Um, or just search Sam Haley, and you you'll probably get get both of them. Addicted to antlers, it's it's fitting for you, my friend. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Sam. Hey, man, well, I certainly enjoyed it, brother. Time. Thanks so much, and uh, yeah, let's uh, let's do an archery elk hunt sometime. I'd love to see Oregon. Cool. Sounds fun. I appreciate the call. All right. Take care. All right. Take take care. Bye. So there you go, is Oregon native and passionate shed hunter Sam Haley. Uh, certainly something different for you today. That segment of the show proudly brought to you by the all-new Pulsar Axion Thermal Monocular, delivering the same performance you've come to expect from Pulsar in a smaller package and a smaller price tag. It's the Pulsar Axion Monocular, and you can find it at PulsarNV.com. Oh, by the way, still got that promo code Lone Star. When you check out, use the promo code Lone Star, and you'll save 20% off your order and get free shipping. How about that? Uh, so they'll know that I sent you. <laughs> uh, let's take a break. Up next, two of my good friends, longtime friends, Brett Jepson and Charles Spiegel of Three Curl Outfitters, drop by the studio right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Surrounded by forever, but I don't have any time left to wander in amusement, left to ride my breath is dying. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000. I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails Magazine, a monthly newsletter, 
and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. Hey everybody, this is Bruce Robinson and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Send me, send me a Lone Star Outdoor Show Zone, the great Bruce Robinson bringing us back. Lifeline, the that tune. I'm Cable Smith. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks to Lone Star Beer. And our friends over at Hoff Power Polaris for their continued support of the presentation. We've got a couple of my uh, longtime friends here in studio today from Three Curl Outfitters. But before we jump into that conversation, this segment proudly brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. I'd like to invite you to get plugged in with this great group of folks who are passionate about hunters' rights, education, and conservation. For more info, check us out at biggame.org. With that being said, uh, let's go ahead and bring on our next guest. They're longtime friends of mine, and y'all have heard their commercial on the show for years now. Uh, They do everything from dove to duck, turkey, and, of course, thermal hog hunts. It's my pleasure to welcome my good friends Brett Jepson and Charles Spiegel, of three curl outfitters back to the show great to be here cable yeah it's a pleasure good seeing you likewise likewise hitting the gym a little bit uh, yeah well they have free child care so <laughs> <laughs> i picked the kids up from school and was like uh no nah, i still don't want to deal with you here's y'all take them for an hour and a half yeah absolutely uh, parenting 101 yeah yeah smart yeah. Uh-huh. um so we got a lot to talk about today i know we're going to talk some turkey hunting i think all three of us have a funny uh story to share experience in the turkey woods that we'll get into but before we do that um you guys are doing something a little different with the duck hunting this year and i know y'all have had duck clubs in the past but you're actually opening up a bunch of your properties that you've been guiding on for the past i don't know how many years y'all have a lot of property uh, but y'all are opening up some stuff here in north texas for uh what is it one or two more duck clubs uh, we're, we're adding another duck club just south of Dallas, so mm-hmm. this one's going to be very unique. The ones that uh, we had in the past um, are, are a little bit further from the DFW area. Um, we've got one south of Waco and then another one in northeast Texas up near Lake Cooper. Um, those are a little smaller clubs, and we manage for uh, three to four groups on those. Um, the, the new club that we're doing is we're taking all of the guided properties that we've been guiding on over the past years, and we've had a lot of successful hunts on, and we're going to open it up for a club. So mm-hmm. um, we're pretty much going to take all those properties and we're going to do all the same management practices. We're going to do all the planting. We're going to put the blinds out there. We're going to have um, electric and water hookups for these guys. We're going to provide decoys. I mean, everything you'd possibly need to go out and duck hunt. We're even going to do the scouting for you. Uh, and then you just come out and, and duck hunt. So, Charles, is this something that's like popular in other states or uh, are you reinventing the wheel here? You know, you hear about duck clubs like, okay, I'm going to go to Stuttgart or maybe I'm a member at a duck club there. Is is this how all of those are are laid out? Uh, Not exactly, to an extent. I mean, and and there's different levels. I Uh mean, different different levels of clubs as well as, I mean, Jerry Jones has his own club in Arkansas. So that's uh, probably pretty swanky. It's a (laughs) $100,000 buy-in to get into there. So, yeah, there's definitely different levels. So this is is more of a working man's club. Uh Um, we're not reinventing the wheel 
um, nationwide, but we are reinventing the wheel for North Texas. There's nothing like this uh, anywhere around, um, especially at the size that it is. We're, we're going to have over 40 different properties. I mean, we, we're going to cover three to 4,000 acres of property. I mean, along uh, throughout Ellis County and northern Navarro County. So um, there's nothing like it in North Texas. And there, there's some of these properties down uh, similar to this down in South Texas, the Katy Prairie area. And they, they've been doing it down there, but uh, not near as comprehensive of what we're going to be doing. So talk about, you said you'd be doing scouting. Um, what does that look like? And I imagine on some level, it's going to make your life easier, Brett. You don't have to get up and go <laughs> hunt and then spend the rest of the day scouting, which is what you've done and you know during duck season as a full-time outfitter. Oh, and I'm still going to hunt. So yeah. I'm not gonna, yeah, that's still going to happen. Um, no, we're still going to have some of our club members that are going to want guided hunts within the club to entertain uh-huh. clients to where they don't actually have to go out there and do the decoys and call birds and, and fetch birds and that kind of stuff. So we're still going to be hunting some. Uh, but when it comes to scouting, we're going to give a scouting report every week. So we're going to go and scout every, I think it's 42 is the grand total on bodies of water. We're going to scout every single body of water once a week and, and give a full report to all of our club members. And so they'll be able to go on line and 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 with throughout the check-in system and say okay well this place is holding 100 ducks this one's holding 300 this one's holding 500 i'm just going with two of us today i might just go hunt the place that's holding 100 ducks and save that 500 for when i'm going with a big group this weekend or yeah, something of that yeah. nature um it will save time for us and we'll be able to focus more on making sure the blinds are ready making sure decoys are ready um making sure the so decoys are right there when i when i show up ready ready to go we, we've well, got all the higdon decoys on lifetime rigs uh-huh. You know, ready to go for you guys, um, as many as you'll as you'd ever want to put out or pick up. I need you guys to rig up my decoys. Uh, I don't know about that. I still have mine in a bag. You know, <laughs> <I care. laughs> you, you got to actually duck hunt. Well, the, the public land uh, walk-in hunter—that's the way to go. Yeah. I, just, I don't know. I can't can't get enough decoys over my shoulder like Texas rig. Yeah, though. absolutely. But I'll haul my. My you, bag of you don't need dozen. four dozen decoys. Oh, I do. Yeah. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something about duck hunting, Charles. <laughs> um, okay, so that's uh, North Texas. What? How does the membership like? How? how if I was like going to say, hey, I want to be a part of this club, what's the next step? Chuck. Sure. No, absolutely. So the memberships are structured um, for groups of four. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's a group of four guys. They're they're designed because I mean everybody knows duck hunting is a social sport sure um as well as it helps us manage the properties and the pressure on the properties and stuff so we des- we've designed all of our clubs um that we've been running for the, for the past four years that each membership consists of four guys um if you don't have four hunters that want to get on it you it's still a base price uh for the membership and you you can have three guys come out and you can bring a guest with you every time we've had companies and corporations purchase memberships um for their company so they they can bring clients and customers out just mm-hmm. as long as there's not more than four people on the property. So um, works out very well. There'll be an online registration. So um, to make reservations for your spot. So 24 hours in advance, you'll have a login to where you log into our website and you'll make a reservation for the um, property or the body of water that you want to hunt for that day. That way you don't have issues of waiting in line or traffic. It's not war zone it's not have to be, get not up public at, uh, hunting yeah right 2 yeah. you're not waking up at 2 30 3 o'clock in the morning or, or god forbid spend the night like i used to do like yeah you know on ray roberts i'd i think i'd get there like around this is funny because i'd started to spend the night there to save my spot because everyone wanted to hunt this one point near sanger and uh 
Didn't we used to like get in trouble for naming lakes? Lake namer. Lake namer. You're going to be banned and yeah. all the Facebook. Uh, There's going to be a thousand trucks at the boat ramp yeah. this season. <laughs> but so I, I started spending the night there because I'd get there at like four and there'd already be some dude there. It's like, God. And then you got to be like, well, like, props to him. He beat me here. So I was like, that's not happening anymore. So I'll spend the night. Well, then you build a fire and you're drinking a few beers and the uh, it wasn't a game warden. It was just like the. Uh, the park service guy. Park ranger? Yeah, park ranger. He comes up and he's like, uh, you guys can't spend the night here. I was like, well, we're duck hunting in the morning. And he's like, huh. Like, I guess there's no time on when you can actually show up to <laughs> duck hunt. So he's like, okay, carry on. You yeah. Know? Like, <laughs> no camping, but yeah. since y'all are hunting, um, yeah. it's okay. And back yeah. in the day, that used to be fun. I remember my younger days, oh, it, yeah. the opening day was coming around, and we'd sit in the garage for three days, uh, you know, <laughs> prepping decoys and working on blinds. And then we'd get out there at 6 o'clock the night before, and we'd love to camp out. Yeah. You know, that was kind of the fun in it. You get a little older, and it's like, eh, yeah. I think I just want to reserve my private spot and just drive right <laughs> up to the blind at 6 a.m. And Yeah, well, I... I still buy my uh, my public um, hunting license every year, and, and I still go at least one time on public, just for the nostalgia's sake. And uh, I like to go back to the place where it all started for me, you know. Sure. And um, so, I, so I haven't, you know, totally quit the public hunting thing. No, on, public hunting has some great hunting opportunities. Hell, you guys shot like a hundred teal one time on. <laughs> uh, what, what was that? I can't disclose the name of said lake. Yes, you, I think it was Richland Chambers or Cedar Creek. It was one of those two. Yeah, it was down in that area. But yeah, we we did. And and that year, we, we hammered those teal day in and day out. And there was literally nobody hunting out there. And you yeah. could go out there any day at 9, 10. You can go out there at How noon. many teal did y'all shoot that day? We 102. shot 102 teal in about 30 minutes. <laughs> 17-man limit. 17-man limit. On public land. On public land. And we could have sat there and shot another limit if we wanted to. I came back the next day with six of us, and we did the same thing the next day. Um, And we shot those till all year long. If I I went and had a bad guided hunt out in Athens one morning, it was 9 o'clock. We'd only shot three or four mallards, and it's some of my regulars. And I was like, you know what? Let's run over there. And so we ran over to that lake, and we got in that spot at 1030 in the morning. Within 20 minutes, we had finished out the rest of the limit of teal, and that's public land that nobody was hunting and we could do that anytime we wanted only reason we went and shot 102 is because it was the last weekend of the season and i was like i don't know if we'll ever have this opportunity again yeah let's just do it we we're gonna do a 10 hey can my buddy come can my buddy come turns into 12 turns into 14 you show up that morning and you got 17 guys with layouts ready to hunt and <laughs> I'm like well let's do it <laughs> yeah let's, let's figure yeah. it out well, I mean, that's a lot of work 17 layouts i mean that's a, that's a big production but you have 17 bodies helping as yeah. well so yeah there's always that well so so we've all been there and and hunted public land quite a bit in our in our younger days um but obviously folks want to they want to be involved with this duck club what's the price you know uh it's ten thousand a membership so twenty five hundred dollars a person so initially when you think about it like oh well i mean that's a duck lease it's expensive but when you go into the actual aspect of it i mean we're providing Higdon decoys. What is the value of sleep, Charles? <laughs> <laughs> I pay a lot of money for so, sleep to be so, able to sleep I mean, in. You got to imagine. I mean, <laughs> you get later into the year and, I mean, shooting light 630. I mean, you roll up at 545 and throw your decoys out. We are already brushing the blinds and placing them. I mean, mm-hmm. the blinds are going to be set up there. The water is done. The planning is done. I mean, you come by camp, you pick up your decoys, and you swing out to your already pre-brushed metal blind with warm seats and 
throw out your decoys. I mean, they, yeah. there's a lot of value in that. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. So um, absolutely, absolutely. There's definitely a lot of value in sleep. And that's kind of one of the reasons we're converting Especially to the, we all have kids. So, yeah, you know? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> sleep absolutely. Is a, so, and, uh, and that's one of the reasons that we're converting to the club style is because at the end of the day, when me and Brett are sitting there, we're trying to run countless quality guided hunts. We're not just taking guys out and sitting them on a pond and shooting two ringers mm-hmm. and calling it a day. I mean, our guys are actually, we're going out and shooting birds, but I mean, we're working 70, 80 hours a week. And at yeah. the end of the day, when we calculate it out, we're making three or $4 an hour <laughs> guiding duck hunts. And um, it's, it's just fun, but I don't know it's fine. And, but um, I, I'm going to be 35 this year. Yeah. And I had a client of mine sitting down and he goes, man, you guys work hard. And I was like, yeah, he goes, you have no idea. He sees me setting up the blind. He goes, well, what are you going to be doing in 10 years? He goes, well, what are you going to do? be doing in regards to retirement? He's like, you, you think you can be doing this when you're 45? And I'm like, Oh God, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the drop off from 25, we're, we're the uh, public land duck hunting warriors. Yeah. 35 is like, Oh crap. Yeah. yeah 45. Like, oh, I got to walk 200 yards through the mud. <laughs> uh, I'll just hunt here. Yeah. And you talk about value in the club um, at $2,500 per person, and you're getting access to over 3,000 acres. And can 40. I hunt it every day? How many it, times a week can I so hunt it? So membership, you can hunt up to three times a week. Okay, which every other day, basically. We, we, yeah. On any of our other clubs, we don't really have anybody that hunts three times a week unless it's Thanksgiving or Christmas or something right. like that. Most yeah. guys are um, going to hunt one to two days a week. So we do it that way to be able to rest birds, and we sure. don't want guys in there um, you know, tearing everything up seven days a week and shooting every bird in sight so we're only allowing 10 memberships on uh-huh. the entire thing um everything's going to have a, a nice uh, you know mike makes all of our blinds so that's 40 guys max total yeah right on the 40 something properties so mm-hmm. yeah but yeah. everybody's hunting in a group of four so right. on any given day max which once again never happens um would, would have 10 groups hunting on the 40 bodies of water mm-hmm. uh, most of the time on any given day you're gonna have six to seven groups hunting because people just don't hunt all the same times mm-hmm. so um but you have duck blinds that are out there that you know cost two grand a piece because mike you know with r2 metal works yeah. makes all of our nice blinds for us um and everything's included so at the end of the day if you wanted to go and do this yourself say even on 100 acres you're gonna spend double the amount you would as a club and have a lot more limited access without the equipment and without all the the crops well, planted and all that kind of stuff and also it's like you know um folks drop 2500 bucks on a on a deer lease like that yep all day long, you know? Then Hell, you I've got two of them that cost me at least that much, you know? And then you still got to do your blinds. Yeah. You got to feed corn. Yeah. Yeah. So if duck hunting is your thing, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Uh, I like to do it all, but I mean, that's, if you're just, hey, I'm primarily a duck hunter, this is a slam dunk. Yeah. Yep. And you get dove hunting in there as well as spring fishing. Um, and so you get yourself, a, you know, 3,000 acres to dove hunt on for all the entirety of dove season mm-hmm. that you can run around on and you can fish all the dove season. And then your uh, duck club lease is going to run until the end of March. So you're able to go out and enjoy some nice spring fishing on all those uh, little duck holes that hold all those beautiful black bass and crappie and catfish mm. and that sort of thing. Well, I don't know about catfish ever being described as beautiful, but... They're, they're Tennessee, though. They look <laughs> yeah, they beautiful on the plate. You know? <laughs> That's true. Um, that is true. Uh, so what is the uh, website? Where can folks find you? 3curl.com. Uh-huh. That's 3 spelt out. Curl.com. And then Instagram and all that good stuff. Instagram, yeah. Y'all post a lot of pictures of, like, the planning process and what goes into... We do a lot of uh, Snapchats, Instagram. Um, Snapchats to, for, like, teenagers. Just uh, like, well, it's for inbred. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the snap. <laughs> Remarkably enough, we get a lot, that, of, far, a lot of our farmers are on Snapchat. send each other, like, nude pictures and stuff. <laughs> well, we actually... The farmers send us planning pictures and pictures of pig damage is usually what we, we get pictures of. Uh, They'll be sitting there riding around on a tractor, sending us pictures. 
pictures. Oh, Come there's a pig these. over here. Y'all need to get over here tonight. And <laughs> I just send a bunch of stupid stuff, and I feel bad cluttering up Instagram and making 30,000 people look at the stupid stuff that I think's funny. So <laughs> right. I throw it on the Snapchat, and it's like, if you follow my Snapchat, you're, you're just going to get it. You yeah. don't have to open it, but it's going to be there. And I can put all that stupid crap up there that I want. Right, right. Yeah. Well, uh, let's do this. Let's take a quick break and come back and, and talk a little uh, spring turkey hunting. All right. Excellent. And that segment proudly brought to you by all seasons, feeders and blinds. If you've got a pond or stock tank on your lease or your ranch that you've got bass and crappie stocked in there, maybe some of those beautiful catfish as Brett refers to them. <laughs> but anyway, if you're trying to get those fish to grow, you need the all seasons dam fish feeder. You put the damn fish feeder on your damn dam and feed your damn fish. You can find it at allseasonsfeeders.com. Up next, we'll wrap up spring turkey season. Probably hear a funny couple of uh, turkey tales as well with our good friends Charles and Brett from Three Curl Outfitters. Are you tired of waking up at 2 a.m. to fight public land skybusters? Cable here for Three Curl Outfitters and their new North Texas Duck Club, which consists of over 3,000 acres and 40 water bodies throughout Ellis and Navarro counties. Three Curl does the planting, provides metal blinds, decoys, and posts a weekly scouting report. All you and your buddies do is reserve the property you want and show up to hunt. This opportunity is limited to 10 four-person memberships, so for the waterfowling experience of your lifetime, go to 3curl.com or call 214-641-8097 today. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Pike County, Illinois, and the surrounding area is hallowed ground for whitetail hunters. And with 21 years' experience, Golden Triangle Whitetails is the oldest outfitter in the state. Spread out over 14,000 acres, they have 350 acres of food plots, 500 tree stands, and over 80 box blinds. The guides take pride in having hunters harvest giant Midwest bucks. Golden Triangle Whitetail hunts the Illinois archery, shotgun, and muzzleloader season. They have a full-time chef and excellent lodging. Book your whitetail hunt of a lifetime by going to www.goldentrianglewhitetail.com today. Just a drinking off this bottle Is it drinking off of me Now yeah, that's, that's me. me Just a sitting here staring And a shaking like a leaf Oh that's me Just a leaning on my shovel In this graveyard of dreams Yeah that's me Cable Smith, welcome everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoors show, Graveyard. The name of that one from The Devil Makes Three. I feel like uh, I feel like that's how turkey season was for me, leaning on my shovel in this graveyard of dreams. I tell you what, never had a worse one. That's the good news. Next year, it can't get any worse. Uh, 11 days of field, 2,200 miles in the pickup, six different properties, and I never fired a shot. Oh, well, that's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, anyway, hope your season was better than mine. Not hard to do <laughs> with those stats. Uh, we've still got my good friends Brett Jepson and Charles Spiegel of Three Curl Outfitters here in the studio. And we're going to talk some spring turkey. Uh, but before we do that, this segment of the show proudly brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. With locations in Marion, Texas, and San Antonio, Josh and Becky Gunther have been taking care of all of my trophy mounts for a long, long time. Uh, basically, looking around the studio here, they've done just about every piece in here, from 
uh, speckled trout to exotics, full-body black bear, European mounts, you name it, ducks. They do it all, and they do amazing work with fast turnaround time. So for your next trophy mount, go to gr8mounts.com. Well, Brett, Charles, thanks for sticking around, fellas. Certainly appreciate it. You bet. So um, let's talk a little spring turkey. Brett and I actually went out for a couple days on uh, one of y'all's properties. Beautiful property, like what was 4,000 acres right there by Possum Kingdom. And uh, I was like, sure, we were. it was a slam dunk. There had to be so many turkeys there. Freaking A, we didn't even hear, would we hear one gobble of a bird coming off a roost maybe? Yeah, he gobbled like three times. Yeah. That was the second morning. Um, I wouldn't even really classify that as a turkey hunt. It was more of just kind of a scenic walk yeah. throughout the <laughs> ranch. <laughs> oh, wait. Here's our boot tracks where we just came from, and there's turkey tracks going the other way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> On yeah. top of your boot tracks. Yeah. 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 Just a weird season, man. Um, so far, bad for me. Yeah. 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 Same and not way. just you. I mean, the actual good hunters and stuff are having um, <laughs> uh, bad seasons as well. <laughs> I, I give you guys credit, though, because, uh, like, the only thing that I've ever, like, charged people and, like, guided for is turkey hunting. And it's the worst when you're like, I'm sorry you guys didn't get a bird. I I mean, I gave them, basically, I made them pay for their room and board, and that was it. I was like, I didn't make any money off of it. Sure, <laughs> yeah. sure. No, absolutely. Yeah. I understand, and we're, we're usually pretty fair for most of it with most of our guys. And, um, and They still left me a tip. They're like, man, you hunted your ass off for us. But just, it's just, the, you know, if they, if they hunt, they get it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I lost weight this turkey But season. I didn't give Brett a tip because, God, he didn't know day. what the hell he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. <laughs> I don't uh, think you've ever given me a tip. Uh, then again, when you come, we usually don't shoot anything. So. Uh, it's like bad luck that I bring, you know. <laughs> hey, look at all these mallards we shot yesterday. Cable, you want to come hunting? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds great. What? Here's the, you know, we got a couple gadwall. Yeah. I, we had a good hunt uh, two years ago when we took the boys out, but it was one of those where, hey, Cable, it's going to suck, but let's just take the kids out, yeah. and then we ended up shooting some ducks. Oh, yeah, Bryce so. and Henry have a good time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, so I'll start with, uh, so you never know what these damn turkeys are going to do. Like this season been so unpredictable, quiet, a lot of the season. Uh, I was hunting in, in Jack County. That's had to be five or six years ago. And this, uh, we hadn't had any luck either. We're driving through the property and there's a high fence on either side of this road. And this turkey is sitting there trying to go through the high fence. You know, turkeys sometimes are really stupid. And we drive up, and he's just sitting there, and he's, like, moving his head around. Like, he sees us, and now he's trying to, like, figure out a hole that he can walk through the fence. There isn't one. <laughs> and so I stop the truck, and I've got my shotgun right there. And the damn thing, he gets up and tries to fly off, and I just, like, boom! And it was, like, goose hunting a turkey. He just fell to the ground. It was uh, – me and my buddy started <laughs> high-fiving. Did you see that? You know, it was awesome. Awesome, awesome. Sometimes it's better to be uh, lucky than good. Yep. And uh, I know Charles – you had a was it, I think it was this season where the bird like flew into your decoys. Uh, it wasn't me. It was Brett where it flew into his, his decoys. I had one three years ago. Oh, this, yeah, yeah, this that's is what the, I was telling yeah. Him, um, yeah. out there. So yeah, tell, tell tell that story. That's that's uh, pretty awesome. So yeah, uh, we're we're out in Glenrose, and, and sure enough, um, uh, go out that morning, do a little bit of uh, crowing and hooting and stuff, and there's a bird goblin. I, I can't tell where he is. I know he's close, and he's on the backside of a dam. I couldn't see him, but. Uh, we get set up and I belly crawl out there and I set up my decoys. Mm -hmm. I know he's close and it's before sunrise and he's just gobbling away and gobbling away. 
Um, sure enough, sunrise comes up. It starts to get a little bit visible, and he's still up there just gobbling his head off and can't really figure out where, where he's at at that point. And then all of a sudden, I hear those wing beats, and he just comes selling right in, lands <laughs> right next to my decoys. He, he was there for about all of five seconds. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, he, he must have been roosting, I mean, right over the top of the dam behind a tree where I couldn't see it. And I'm really surprised he didn't see me crawl out there and put my decoy out there. But I guess it was just dark enough to uh, get away with. And uh, he, he sure enough did just come uh, selling right in there and landed about 10, 15 yards in front of me. So – uh, then he backflipped into a <laughs> pond um, and began to swim across the pond after I shot him. So that was a whole other story and adventure, um, trying to catch a turkey with a, um, a, a buzz bait um, and fish him out of the pond. <laughs> oh, <laughs> those wet turkeys make the best pictures. Oh, yeah, don't they? Don't uh, they? they uh, he's such a beautiful bird. Like <laughs> They're all fanned out. Look at this gorgeous bird that I shot this morning. But You put throw a wet turkey up there. Oh, yeah. my God, it's a nasty-looking thing. It's nasty. Look at the old dirty buzzard up there. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, very light luster in, in the pictures, uh, absolutely. But it was a good hunt, good memorable hunt. So definitely enjoyed it. I think Brett had a similar experience um, this, year. this year. But during that hunt, first off, that first shot – because I was hunting on the other side of that ranch and I had two birds and they came off the roost and I could see them and they were coming in hot and heavy. Charles shoots the first time and he's probably five, 600 yards away. So those birds stop and they kind of look around. Oh, we're good. They start to fan back up and here comes another kaboom. And then they're gone. <laughs> and I was like, Charles, did you really have to shoot them the second time? He the was swimming time. away. I mean, I, <laughs> that first was a big pond. I could have, give me another 10 seconds, man. And I could have got it. He wasn't swimming anywhere fast. Oh, they were. Have you seen the videos of them swimming? swimming they're like <laughs> penguins with feathers i don't understand that's why they're so they're so frustrating because you know they're dumb like why oh, would yeah. a turkey ever swim it can fly yeah absolutely. <laughs> right so what the absolutely. hell <laughs> but they're, they're, they're these dumb animals but have the best eyesight and like god gave them some kind of sixth sense because you know they're stupid oh yeah but they're hard to kill can be hard to kill yeah. absolutely uh, absolutely i think we overthink it a lot of times is the is the thing as well they definitely outsmarted me quite a few times this year my problem i think this season has been i'm just i I don't like deer hunting turkeys, and so like I don't want to sit there all day and just wait for them to come to me. But on some level, I probably should have done that a couple of days. It's like, would you rather have a turkey or would you rather not? Well, I mean, you're like a typical waterfowler hunter. I mean, it, it's all about the chase and the calling and uh, the setup, which makes it fun. Yeah. Um, and that's what the big draw to turkey hunting to me is, uh, second to duck hunting is, is you're out there chasing them. You're calling them in. You're trying to convince them. You're setting out decoys and uh, trying to work the bird. Versus just waiting for it to come out to a feeder, come mm. out to a food plot. So that that it with turkey hunting, it's all about the chase. So yeah. to me, and when it actually pays off. Yeah, absolutely. Now you guys also guide turkey hunts in Kansas. Um, would it? And when I think of Kansas turkey hunting, and you might be able to um, expand on whether my perception, my uh, how I stereotype it is correct or not, but I think of like. Tons of turkeys in a field, Kansas, Nebraska, you know, all these agricultural areas. And you just sit there in a pop-up and you just wait for them. And, and, and a lot of the guys that bow hunt them specifically, that is what they do. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so it is, it is like that in some areas. You do have some areas. But then they've that, killed turkeys and I didn't this year. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's guys that set over feeders this year that killed more turkeys than I did out walking 14 miles a weekend chasing them. But anywho, um, Kansas, uh, there, there's different areas. So there is a lot of wide open uh -huh. um, agricultural fields, corn fields, wheat, that kind of stuff. And, and yes, there'll be birds that visit those fields later morning or early afternoon um, coming in groups. And you could come by at any specific time and see 30, 40, 100 birds out in that field. 
um, doing a run and gun style of hunt that we like to do here in Texas in our wooded areas. Very little opportunity for that in mm-hmm. the area of Kansas that we hunt. Over on the eastern side, they can do more of that. So it's more out of necessity than them just, you know. Yeah, it's it's wide open. Yeah. Um, and, and the few trees that there are um, aren't thick, you know, cedars like we have yeah. here. They're, they're fairly open. And Giant so, cottonwoods and aspens. So, I mean, they've got a thick canopy, but the undergrowth and everything like that is just mm-hmm. is not there. So, I mean, you go walking down a creek line, turkey's going to see you two miles away. Yeah. They're, they're going to see you before you see them. So the best um, strategy there in most areas that you're hunting is to go in the field where you've seen turkeys visiting um, day by day, go in there when they're not there, build you a little blind or a pop-up. Pop-ups to me is a, I don't really care to use them. I'd much rather build a cedar brush blind. It looks mm-hmm. more natural. But um, And you kind of wait for them to come out. And they will gobble at you, um, and, and you still get to play the game. But you're not walking and hearing the gobble a few hundred yards away and hopping in a bush and setting up. Crawling you're, out in the road and throwing my decoy out. Yeah, you know, and you can't do that kind of stuff. But what they do uh, in Kansas, they're a lot more visual. So you, you can use a lot of the fans um, and a lot of the you know the strutter decoys. The mm-hmm. scoot, and shoot. scoot and shoot style stuff. You can do a lot more of that in Kansas than you can here. In Texas, we notice a lot of trying to scoot and shoot birds in North Texas. It's very intimidating, and you got to really have a older gobbler that's very riled up to get them to actually attack that. Yeah. Kansas is kind of a different story. The population's a lot higher. They're a lot more visual. And if they see another bird across the field that's with hens that they think is going to be their hens, they're a lot more apt to, to charge after that bird. Yeah. Well, so, so, so like that turkey fan right up there, I haven't used that one, but I always have one from last season that I put in my strutter decoy. Mm-hmm. And that thing – it always scares the birds off. You throw a Jake out there yeah. in North Texas or well, basically anywhere I've hunted in Texas and it brings them right in. You know, like yeah. you said, you got to really have a three or four year old bird where we hunt to get them to come to a strutter decoy. got to be that dominant bird. Yeah. And he's got to be mad that you're in his area and that's his, and he's the dominant bird there. Any other bird that's in that area, all the Jakes are going to see that fan and nope. Yeah. Except for this way. season. <laughs> yeah, except for this season. This season is just, we're just going to look past it. Yeah. 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 After after the first week, I put all the Jake and Tom and started decoys away. I just used strictly hens. Uh-huh. I had one coming in opening morning and open a weekend, and he, he was running at us, calling and gobbling, running at us. He came around that corner and saw that Jake decoy, one smooth motion, wow. took off the other direction. Jake, and he's a, this is a gobbler. He, he was a gobbler. Oh. Big bird. Yeah. Wow. Big bird. Interesting. Well, Brett, you had a, a kind of a – I've never heard anything like it, you know, this story here recently. And, uh, I, you know, it's your turn. You're up. Tell us uh, about your crazy turkey hunting experience from this season. I think it was a place close to where we actually hunted. Yeah, it was very close um, to where we hunted uh, that second day. You know, we took a little drive off of the main ranch and went down the road to another property. For another, a scenic walk that we took. Yeah, another yeah. scenic walk. <laughs> well, we actually heard a few gobbles that morning. So, um, but anywho, they, um, so I'm taking a, a regular client of ours out hunting and um, he was going to come with a group of guys, but he had some that couldn't make it and some that were sick. So it was just me and him. And we hunted all afternoon one day and we had a few gobbles, no luck. Uh, so I set up a blind the next morning right on a path where I knew the turkeys were getting off roost and coming right through this path and I said well even if they're not going to cooperate we're going to be here waiting on them so built us a nice blind we stuck in before daylight every scratch of the call four turkeys would pop off on that roost I mean Mm. just I couldn't even get through a call sequence without them gobbling they were hot and fired up 
So three of them get down and go the complete opposite direction as they've been going yeah. for the you know the past week, par for the course for this turkey season. I'm cussing. I'm upset. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just it's the way it's been going this year. Um, one of them is still gobbling, and he sounds like he's not getting any closer, but he's not getting any further. So after about an hour of us sitting there calling back and forth, I'm like, man, let's try to go down this way, see if we can get a little closer. It doesn't sound like he wants to move any closer to us. We get down into this opening, and there's with all the rain, there's a wooded area that's flooded out. And um, we start calling, and he's responding, and I'm, I'm just thinking he's got to be close. He's within 30, 40 yards on the other side of this bush. About that time, I look up, and he's in the tree. And this is an hour to an hour and a half after shooting light, like 830 <laughs> in the morning. And he, we sit there and watch him, and he's strutting, a fan wide open, strutting up and down this limb. And every time you touch a call, just Gobble, 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 gobble. I mean, every single time. I've never seen a turkey strutting in a tree. Me neither. <laughs> me neither. I didn't and so see it until you sent me videos, and I was like, "There's no way." So oh I'm sitting God. here, you know, Snapchatting, of course, my my guide buddies, and like, check this stuff out. That's you know, this turkey's up here gobbling in the tree, and he's strutting back and forth on this limb. What the heck's going on? So after about an hour of that, it gets to be 9.30 in the morning, and I'm a little frustrated with it. And so um, I say, I think I'm just going to go around to the other side and see if I can't flush this bird. So I walk around to the other side of this pond and I leave my hunter that's hunting with me there in the one opening that I think this bird's going to fly right down into. And as I come around to the other side of the pond, after a nice long walk through the woods, um, four hens fly out of the tree across from me. So him. he's strutting for these girls in the tree. In the tree. <laughs> and the hens are sitting in the tree right across from him. He's sitting there. He didn't in, have in anything better tree, to do, huh? Strutting back and forth. <laughs> it's, I look and it's 930. It's 930 in the morning. Um, the other turkeys flew off of the roost at 710. Like 7, normal 15. turkeys. Man. Like normal. Yeah. He's still up there strutting for these hens. And so it's like, well, there's only one way this is going to go. And so I, I come up behind him and he flies off into the opening where I left the hunter, the only opening that the turkeys can go into. And sure enough, he's able to to knock that tom down. It had a nice nine and a half inch beard on him. Smoked him, huh? Smoked him. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Good spurs. Um, and we had a high five and a laugh about it. It's unlike any turkey hunt I've ever seen, but he was in that tree until 930 that morning strutting for hens wow. in the middle of a tree that was flooded with water underneath it. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. You never know what you're going to see. But with the way that this season went, I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, folks, I mean, this season's over, um, but uh, if folks wanted to uh, book a home with you guys, Kansas and Texas 2020 season. Yep. Yep. Um, Texas, we're about an uh, hour and a half west of Fort Worth for all of our turkey hunts. Can you guarantee if I book that I'll get to see a turkey strutting in a tree? Uh, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll, no. I'll even I'll hunt with you again even after what we what you did to me those two I, days. I hope you do. You better bring some better food this time though. Cuz the the company at camp was a little <laughs> It always little is. <laughs> <laughs> All right guys. Well, hey, thanks again. It's uh threecurl.com and the uh, North Texas Duck Club is open. Uh also Dove Leases, all that good stuff. Dove Leases. Um we we do have a couple um year-round hunting leases up in Northeast Texas available we we've got some things working closer to dallas as well they'll be coming up in the next couple of weeks so um a lot of hunting opportunities out there available for people yeah. in dfw awesome. we're looking for a hunting lease of any type we've got a lot of stuff available right now we're going to be adding new leases throughout the summer Which, we didn't even mention the thermal hog hunts you guys stay booked out on that what three months in advance yeah uh, about, about, about six, half, six to eight weeks yeah. okay yep. right on so and when is the like when is prime time like once the corn is cut and stuff like if I wanted to book a hunt, and like where you know you're gonna, 
Oh, you never know. But well, we guarantee those hunts. Yeah. So if you come out and don't get shot on pigs, um, you get to come back and do it again. So we're shooting pigs year round. Yeah. However, the days that you see on YouTube and Texas has big hog problem and all that kind of stuff, and people are piling up 15, 20 pigs a hunt, those are going to come in August, uh-huh. um, right after they harvest, or in the springtime, right after they're planting. We've okay. just got a lot more visibility that time of year. The crops are short. They've been cut. We're not having to you know, go out and hunt in six foot tall corn stalks type of deal. And all using the latest, uh, thermal technology from Pulsar. Yep. Pulsar thermal optics, all their new trails. Um, hopefully their new axioms will be coming out here pretty soon and the, they're supposed to be sending those out in June. So hope to, uh, get our hands on some of those, um, to put into work, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Top of the line stuff. Not, not awesome. Not awesome. everyday equipment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey guys, thanks for dropping by the studio. Certainly a pleasure. You bet. Always fun. Yeah, we'll do it again. Sounds good. So there they go, my good friends, Brett Jepson and Charles Spiegel of Three Curl Outfitters. Always great having them in studio. And uh, two of my favorite dudes to uh, to spend a day in the outdoors with, uh, whether we're dove hunting, turkey, uh, ducks, or, you know, whatever. Just all around good people, run a great outfit. Check them out. Uh, That segment of the show, proudly brought to you by John X Safaris. Gosh, what is it? June 5th. The June 5th is the date I'm going back for trip number three with John X Safaris. So, what, three weeks now? Can't believe it's coming up that fast. And uh, big things on the horizon. Trip number four for 2020 already on the books. If you want to be a part of that next summer, just shoot me an email, lonestaroutdoorshow at gmail.com. Uh, unfortunately, we got to go. Got to get out of here. We are flat out of time. Thanks to all of our guests today, Sam Haley, as well as the guys from 3Curl. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. And long run Short ride